Well, good morning, everybody. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter five. And um, as you're turning there, let me just say this. We, uh, we are in the series right now called Getting Through What We're Going Through. And as we think about this season of coronavirus that we're in, this kind of season of quarantine and lockdown, I want you to think about how God has blessed us uh, in, this, in this season, in what we're going through. He has, first of all, given us His presence. Uh, Jesus is with us as we go through what we're going through. In fact, uh, Psalms 46 says it like this, that God is a refuge, He's a strength, He's an ever-present help in time of need. And that is really good news to know God is ever-present with us as we go through this. But secondly, He's not only given us this, His presence, but He's He's given us the gift of one another. Uh, as a church family, as the body of Christ, we we have each other, we have the gift of one another, and that means we can pray for each other, uh, we can encourage one another, we can check up on each other, and we can help one another out. And that is a tremendous gift. But thirdly, uh, in this season that we're in, we also have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. So God has called us to be light in a dark world. And so what God has called us to be, he's given us the power to do. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is really the power source for the Christian life. And it's that power source that we have access to, to help us get through what we're going through. And so these themes of light and darkness and the power of the Holy Spirit are the ones I really want us to focus on today as we look at Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 21. Let's read it together. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He says, But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." Therefore, do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, 
giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Really what Ephesians 5 is talking about is it's a description of the Christian life. Ephesians has a very interesting structure to it. When you look at the Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapters one, two, and three really describe what happens to us when we come to faith in Christ. It describes what we become and what we receive at the moment of salvation. Four, five, and six are different. Chapters four, five, and six really talk about the outworking of what we receive and what we become. It's really a picture of the Christian life and what the Christian life looks like. And so this is really a, a good order. Uh, this is a, a right order because uh, it's not that we live in a certain way and then we become Christians. If that were true, then we're really saved by what we do. But rather it is we become Christians and then live in a certain way, which highlights that we're, we're not saved by what we do, we've been saved because of what Christ has done for us. So the power of God comes to us and saves us, and then we live the Christian life. That's, that's the gospel order, and that's the order we see in this letter to Ephesians. And so what this means is, is that the point of Ephesians is, is that the gospel is not some you know, vitamin supplement that we take to improve our lives. The gospel is not some kind of formula that helps us to live our best life now. Really what the Apostle Paul is saying in, the, in this letter to Ephesians is that the gospel is a radical revolution that happens uh, in our minds and in our hearts. It's a, it's a complete transformation, if you will. In, in other words, the old is gone and the new has come. That we have been lifted out of darkness and now we're in the light that we've been taken out of, out of deadness and we've been made alive. And really the only word that you can use to describe that is transformation and revolution. And that's exactly what the gospel brings to us. And so in the passage that we're looking at today, you see a contrast that runs right down the middle of it. You see this contrast between light and darkness and the way of the world versus uh, the way of Christ. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is this, you're children of light, you're no longer in darkness. You are children of light. Now walk in the light, walk in that light of Christ and be bright, let that light shine in you so that you can reflect what has happened to you. Now this is, this is so relevant to us today because of what we're going through. We really feel the darkness of the world around us because of this season of this virus and this lockdown and quarantine. And so we really feel the, the darkness of the world. We feel the uncertainty, the fear, uh, loneliness, uh, grief, sometimes frustration. We feel uh, this present darkness. And I think the question becomes, how does God want us to live during this present time, during this season that God has us in? In other words, what is essential for us getting through what we're going through? What is, what is the will of God for the sons and daughters of God to live in this, in this present darkness? And I think the answer to that is simple, that God wants us walking in the light. He wants us, he wants us to be bright. He wants the light of the gospel of God's grace to shine through us 
in such a powerful and transforming way. And so this is what I wanna do this morning. I wanna just share with you three great truths that help us get through what we're going through. And I think what we see in this passage specifically is this. Paul highlights, first of all, this present darkness that we're in. In Ephesians 5, he's gonna be talking about this present darkness, but he doesn't leave us in the dark. He also shows us another truth, and that is this. It shows us the light of the gospel. And then lastly, he talks about how to walk in the light. So let's take the first one. Let's talk about this present darkness that we're in. See, in order to walk in the light, we need to understand the present darkness that surrounds us right now. The Apostle Paul calls our attention to this in Ephesians 5 by describing the present age that we live in as dark and sinful and evil. And he uses, he uses several metaphors in the chapter to really describe uh, this present darkness. In verse eight, you see that uh, he describes the world as dark. In verse 11, you see that uh, he says we're, we're surrounded by works of darkness. Uh, verse 14, he talks about how the world is a grave. And then in verse 16, he says, the days that we live in are evil, we, that we live in the evil day. And so we all can testify to this. We, we know that this is a part of what it means to be alive today. We feel this present darkness uh, around us every single day. You turn on the news, you scan the headlines on the internet, and you definitely feel uh, the present darkness around us. And I think that's, that's really what he's calling us, a, calling our attention to, that we're surrounded by a darkness in this world. And so the Bible really describes the fact that we live in two different ages. We live in the present age, and there's also the age to come that the Bible talks about. Now, the age to come is the age when Jesus returns and he begins ruling uh, in a new heaven and new earth, and he lifts the curse, and there's no more sorrow and no more suffering, no more death, and it's just glorious. And that's the age to come. But what we also see in scripture is we live in this present age. And this present age is really ruled by the prince of this world, Satan. That Satan has authority over those who are outside of Christ and he, and he holds them in bondage. And so, so this bondage characterized by the fallen world that we live in, that's cursed by sin, uh, is characterized by death and disease and evil and darkness and uh, pandemics. Uh, and, and natural disasters and the like. That is what characterizes the present age. And we feel that surrounding us every single day. But it's also interesting in chapter five, where the apostle Paul not only says that this darkness surrounds us, but this darkness has a pull on us. It pulls on us as Christians. It pulls on us in a couple of different ways. It pulls us externally and internally. And if you look at verse 11, you notice how the Apostle Paul describes this external pull. He, he describes it this way as works of darkness. Now, what is a, what is a work of darkness? What, what are deeds of darkness? I think that's a really good question. I think, I think the simple answer to that is just really anytime we break the commandments of God, anytime we, we do something that we know is wrong, that we we do something that we know God wouldn't want us to do. That's a, that's a deed of darkness. And so what characterizes this present world is the fact that there's a, a gravitational pull on us towards external deeds of darkness. And I think as Christians, we feel that every single day. 
But it's not just external, it's also internal. There's an internal pull on us as well. And you see this uh, very clearly in verse, in verse five, he says, he says this, he says, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And I wanna highlight that word idolatry or idolater. And what he's talking about there is a, a tendency in my nature and in your nature for us to, to make something or someone else first in our life before God. That anytime we, we find our, our, our significance and our worth and our well-being uh, and, and really just our life, that we anchor that in something other than God, that is really an idol, and that's called, that is called idolatry. And so what the Apostle Paul is highlighting here for us is that we live in this, we live in a, in a, in a world that not only surrounds us, but pulls on us externally and internally towards, towards idolatry. And so we feel this pull every single day. And so these are characteristics of this present age, the age that, that we're living in right now, and we feel this pull every single day. But there's another interesting characteristic of this present darkness that surrounds us. And then we see it in verse eight, where the apostle Paul really says, says this. He says, for you at one time were darkness. For you at one time were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, what in the world is he saying there? He's saying that we're not only surrounded by this darkness, and, and we're not only just pulled by this darkness, but very clearly what he's saying here is this darkness is in us. It resides within us. And so it's not just that we do deeds of darkness. It is we are darkness. That, that's what he's alluding to. It's kind of like the Puritan writer John Owen said it like this. He says, he says, the seed of every sin is in every heart. The seed of every sin is in every heart. And so what he's saying is this, that really the ground is level at the foot of the cross because darkness is a part of sinful human nature. It is in all of us. You know, I, I recently heard Tim Keller Tell a, a, give a great illustration of this darkness. Um, a, a, a week ago, he, get, he, he talked about the fact that a number of years ago, Mike Wallace did an interview uh, of a Nazi concentration camp survivor by the name of Yehiel Denur. And if you, you know about World War II and the Nazi Holocaust, and you know that um, a man by the name of Adolf Eichmann was really the architect behind the, the Jewish Holocaust, where six million Jews were exterminated for, uh, for the Nazi regime. And so right after World War II, Eichmann escaped Germany and fled. And, and um, in, in early, the early 1960s, Eichmann was, was found and arrested and then brought to trial in Israel. And so during, uh, during this season of trial, the Israelis brought several concentration camp survivors into the courtroom to testify against Eichmann. And Yehiel Denur was one of those called on to testify. And so the courtroom was packed full of people. You can imagine how uh, tense and how the emotions were, were running at that, at that moment in time during, during the trial. And so they brought Yehiel Denur 
into the courtroom. And as soon as Denur saw Eichmann eye to eye, he began to sob uncontrollably and he physically collapsed right in the middle of the courtroom. And so not long after this, Mike Wallace was interviewing Denur and he asked him just kind of point blank as he showed him the clip of Denur collapsing in the middle of the courtroom and the judge having to bang his gavel and restore order in the courtroom. He asked him, Mike Wallace asked Denur, he said, what were you feeling at that time? What, why is it that you collapsed? Was it, was it PTSD? Was it, you were just so filled with rage and uh, you, you just desired justice so strongly that, you know, that, it, that emotion just overcame you? And really, Denur's response was very interesting. And he said this, and, and, I, and I quote this, he said, when, when I walked in the courtroom and I saw Eichmann, I suddenly realized he was no demon or Superman. He was an ordinary human being exactly like me. And suddenly I became terrified about myself, Denur said. He goes on to say, I saw that I'm capable of the exact same thing. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. What Denur saw was not the darkness in Eichmann as much as it was the darkness in Eichmann and in the darkness in himself. He saw that the seed of the sin in Eichmann was in his own heart himself. And so that's what I think the Apostle Paul is really trying to explain in chapter five, that we are surrounded by this present darkness. And this darkness pulls on us externally and it pulls on, pulls on us internally as well. But there's also good news in the midst of the darkness. And that is what Paul explains is the light of the gospel, the light of the gospel. And you see this in verse 14, very specifically, he's talking about all of this darkness that we live in an evil day, that we're surrounded by sin and, and works of darkness. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of his thought flow, he interjects verse 14, it's just a very simple sentence, but a sentence that's very powerful. And he says, he says this, he says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Now, what, what in the world is he, what is this? What, what is he doing? Well, commentators are actually split over kind of what he's saying here. Uh, some, some commentators think that Paul is actually quoting a, a Christian hymn that they would sing in the early church in Paul's day. But other commentators believe that Paul has taken some Old Testament passages and he's kind of paraphrased them and brought them together in one, in one verse. And then he's actually quoting that. And so then the question is, well, what does he mean when he says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you? What, what does he mean by that? Well, I think what he, what he means is this. I think he's summarizing the gospel. I really do. I, I, I think he's summarizing the gospel of Jesus. He is describing the effect of the gospel on us. And what the gospel does is it awakens us. Look, look at what he says. He says, awake, O sleeper. Sleep is a metaphor for death. And there's a sense in which before we're Christians, we are dead in our sins and our trespasses. And dead means dead. It means we're unresponsive. It means we're unaware. It means we are, 
we, we are spiritually unconscious to God. And so what the Spirit of God does is it comes to us and awaken us out of this, this dreadful slumber that we're in, this sinful slumber that we're in. And, and then Paul goes on to say, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, that there's a sense in which the power of the gospel comes to us and it lifts us up out of, out of sinful death that it raises us up from the grave and it transforms us on the inside, completely changing us from the inside out. And so we don't really get our act together and then come to Christ. We don't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and make ourselves acceptable and then we come to Jesus. No, the gospel comes to us and it awakens us and lifts us out of the deadness of this present darkness that we're in, this sinful world that we live in. And I think, I think that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will, will emanate, it will radiate from your life because of the transformation that has taken place within our hearts. So Paul's entire point is this, that you are you're not of darkness. You are now children of light. So walk in that light, be bright. Let, the, let the, the grace of the gospel shine through your life so that others can see it. Be bright. That's, that's what I think he is saying. He's talking about really the impact of the gospel that it awakens us, it raises us, it changes us, and it shines through us. And his encouragement to us is be bright. Be light in this present darkness. Shine the light of God's glory in this season that we're in. Now, what that means is you, you don't have to be perfect. You just be bright. You don't have to know all the answers. Just be bright. You don't have to know every single Bible verse in the Old and New Testaments. Just shine bright. That's what he's saying. That's what we do in this present darkness, in this present age that we live in. And you can do it any number of ways. You can do it just by, by living a life of generosity, by sharing your toilet paper, if you will. You can do it by, by sharing encouraging posts on your social media feed. You can be bright and shine bright by being others focused and checking up on your family neighbors and your friends and your neighbors, particularly the ones that haven't been that nice to you and just see how they're doing and see if they, if they need anything at all. You can be bright by being bold and inviting other people to join us in our online worship services as we, as we navigate uh, this season of quarantine. Or you can be prayerful for all the doctors and nurses in our church family and in our, in our community at large that are really on the front lines of this. See, there are a number of different ways that you can shine the light of Christ, that you can be bright in this present darkness. And I think, I think that's, what, that's what brings out the gospel and the change the gospel brings to us. You know, a couple of thousand years ago, um, the, the Black Plague and the Bubonic Plague ravaged the Roman Empire, just, just killing millions, millions of people. And back then, obviously, they, they didn't really have the medical expertise uh, that we have today. They didn't have the vaccines and the medicines and the, and the you know, just the knowledge of infections and, and how they spread today. And so, and so as, 
as this was ravaging the Roman Empire, people made the connection that there was, there was, a, there was a connection between the plague and cities. So people would leave the cities in a flurry. And, and they were doing that and leaving the sick and dead to die in the streets of the cities all throughout the Roman Empire where the plague had spread. And here's what's really interesting about this. We know this from history. Do you know who stayed behind as people were fleeing the sick and the dead in the cities throughout the Roman Empire? Christians stayed behind. Christians stayed behind to care for those who were sick, for those who were dying, oftentimes exposing themselves to the very same infections. And what's even more interesting about this is the fact that it was out of this environment that Christians invented hospitals. You see, there's a huge national debate going on in our country today about uh, universal healthcare and healthcare being the right of every human being, and I will leave that to the politicians. But, but I, I want you to know this, that government did not invent healthcare. Government did not invent hospitals. Churches did. And churches invented hospitals and Christians cared for the sick and dying because they understood the gospel calls us to be a bright light in a dark world. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is sharing and encouraging us to do today. He wants, to he wants us to understand this present darkness. He wants us to understand the light of the gospel, how it's changed us and how it shines through us. But he also wants us to understand, number three, how you and I can be light, how you and I can be light. He gets really, really practical with this. And we see this in verse, in verse 18, where the apostle Paul says this. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But he says, be filled with the spirit. Now, this is absolutely critical for walking in the light. If you and I are gonna walk in the light in this present darkness, we need to be sure that we connect to the power source. And the power source for the Christian is the Holy Spirit. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying in verse 18 is he's saying, don't get drunk on wine, but connect to the real power source, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's fascinating about this is I was, as I was studying this passage this week, it's almost like the Apostle Paul is inferring here that the way some people deal with this present darkness is either through alcohol, through, through getting drunk on wine, or through the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's a couple of ways that you can navigate this present darkness. Getting drunk or letting the Spirit of God empower your Christian life. And it's kind of interesting to think about the relationship between alcohol and the Spirit of God. They both can do the same things. They accomplish the same things, but they do it in radically different ways. Uh, let, me, let me highlight just a few things that, that uh, alcohol and the Spirit of God do. Alcohol is really a depressant and it dulls our senses to reality. It helps us to, to kind of not think about reality. But the Holy Spirit is completely different. The Holy Spirit is a stimulant and it makes us more aware of reality. Think about how alcohol helps us to get rid of worry by making us forget. But think about the power of the Spirit of God. It helps us to overcome worry by helping us to remember the promises of God. 
Or how about this? The alcohol gives us courage by, by just really uh, lowering our inhibitions and making us unaware of the dangers. But in a similar way, the Holy Spirit makes us courageous and bold, not by making us unaware of dangers, but by helping us to see the reality of how good and large and great God is. You see, alcohol adds excitement to our life by giving us a cheap thrill, but the Holy Spirit adds joy to our life by helping us see and walk in the goodness of God. So to kind of summarize all of that, I would say it like this. You don't really need a fifth of Jack. What you need is a filling of Jehovah. Well, you, you don't need absolute vodka. What you need is absolute truth. You don't need a Bud Light. You need God's light. You don't need, well, I'll just stop with those, but I think you get the picture. What he's saying here is this. He is saying, I, I don't want you to be under the influence of alcohol. I want you to be light under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me share some things about the Spirit of God that just are very practical for us as we understand this power source for the Christian life. As a Christian, you already have the Spirit of God living in you. The issue is, as Christians, we get low and we need to be filled again and again and again. And that's really what he's talking about. Be filled with the Spirit. And the, and the, the verb tense there is a continual filling. So not just a one-time filling, but a, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth filling, because we have this tendency to leak. The other thing that I, I will say is that what the Apostle Paul is saying here is an imperative. He's saying, you be filled with the Spirit. He's not giving us good advice. He's not, he's not uh, offering a suggestion. He is saying this is a command for the Christian, be filled with the Spirit of God. And then lastly, this, uh, this admonition to be filled with the Spirit, it's for every Christian. The verb tense here is plural. It's not, it's not singular. It's not for a specific group of elite Christians. It's for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying is this, to be bright, to be light, to walk in the light of this present darkness, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, practically, how do you walk in the light? Well, I won't spend a lot of time on this as we're wrapping up, but I wanna just share with you, he answers that in verses 15 through 21. What he does is he lists seven or eight ways that we very tangibly, very practically can walk in the light. He says in verse 15, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So what he's saying is be discerning and understand this season that we're in and, and think carefully about how you're living your life. Verse 16, he says, make the best use of time because the days are evil, because we live in this present darkness. Uh, he's really just challenging us to redeem the time, to be profitable and to use our time to grow in our faith. Verse 17, he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, uh, understand what God wants you to do. And so the question is, how do we know what God wants us to do? Well, the answer is pretty simple. We know the will of God by the word of God, by being students of the word. And he goes on to say, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit as we've kind of talked about, which is our power source. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making uh, melody, to the Lord with your heart. In other words, he really wants us to be thinking about and dwelling on the gospel. 
He wants the grace of God to season our conversation with one another. That instead of being self-focused and negative, that we are really uh, a people filled with faith and grace that's especially evident in our conversations. And then he says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're living in a season that's really different, it's unprecedented. And so what are those things that you can be thankful for? And I think as we live in that gratitude, that is a great way to walk in the light. And then he closes by saying, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's just talking about us loving each other, loving one another. Now, one final question, and then I'm done. We know how to live and how to walk in the light because he's, he's explained that to us. But here's the question. How do I become filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I, how do I become filled with the Spirit? It's really simple. You just ask him. You just ask God. You know, Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, he says, he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So all you have to do is ask. You know, oftentimes when I begin my day, I, I begin my day in prayer and I, I get on my knees and, and I use my hands to help me pray this prayer for the filling of the Spirit. And as I'm kneeling on the floor, I take my hands and I put my palms down. And what I do is I, I use that as a, as, a, as a physical way to express my surrender to God. So I take my cares and my concerns, things that I'm worried about, things that uh, are potentially troubling me, things that are on my mind, and, and I just surrender them to God. And I, and I pray through those things. And after a season of time, what I do is I turn my palms up to receive and I ask God, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he does. Now, sometimes you feel it, most of the time you don't. But the good news of the filling of the Spirit is it's not about how you feel. It's about God has promised to fill you with his Holy Spirit if you ask him. So how do we live as children of light in this dark world? We live connected to our power source, the Holy Spirit. So will you bow your heads as we, as we pray together? I want you just right where you're seated, right in your living room or in your bedroom or um, in the kitchen, right where you are. I want you to just bow your heads and your hearts. And I want you to put your, your hands out, palm down, palms down. And I want you just to surrender anything in your life right now that you've been worried about, that you're afraid of, that you're uncertain about, that is troubling to you, just, just anything that is causing anxiety in you. I want you, to just, I want you to just see yourself just placing that before God right now. And just tell him you surrender it to God. You surrender it to him. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to turn your palms up towards heaven and I want you to pray silently to yourself, Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord Jesus, and use us as a church family to walk in the light, to be bright, and to shine the light. And we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.